Welcome to the Kitchen Island Podcast. Bonjour, bienvenue à un autre épisode du Ilo de du cuisine, Ilo de Ilo. Aide-moi un peu là. Oui, non, je crois que c'est ça, je crois que c'est ça, je crois... j'ai aucune idée de ce que mon Kitchen Island a dit en français, euh, parce que j'en ai <rire> jamais entendu le terme, mais ouais. Bon, les amis, les amis, aujourd'hui, j'ai avec moi, mais je vais t'appeler Pascal, parce que c'est plus, plus francophone, c'est beau? Voilà. Oui, exactement. OK, ouais. parfait. J'ai Pascal avec moi, qui est un peu déçu, un peu frustré, un peu, ben, je sais, un peu de, de tu, parce que ne, ton, ton France, les, les Français ont perdu contre... Oh, Switzerland. How do you say Switzerland in French, man? Les la Suisse. Suisse. La, la Suisse. Suisse. Le, la Suisse. <rire> hey, je sais mon, mon, mon meilleur ici, mon ami. On, on essaie, on essaie. Um, JJJ, the quarterfinals. The, uh, sorry, the, the round of 16 has been the most entertaining um, of the whole Euro tournament, man. Uh, man, I, I mean, almost... Every game was almost a surprise, or every game was pretty tight, man. Like... Let's just say that everyone from Group F is out. The group of death are out. Uh, we couldn't predict this. No one could have predicted this, right? Um, so we we need to we can we need to talk about that because honestly, I know you watched it on on replay. Things were delayed for you, um, so I did, I was like, damn, how like I'm waiting for his text so that when he watches it, like, wow, France is out, dude. France is out, and I was just like, man, I didn't put money down on on Switzerland. Damn it. <laughs> like, oh my god but um but let's let's just let's tackle the first one here because um i guess the only one that was kind of expected was denmark four wales nil i think um I, i was okay with that um overall i think the danes are definitely running with that high you know do it for ericsson they're, they're still on that while don't get me wrong while playing quality football that like, i want to emphasize on that it's not only like this 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 drive this internal drive that they had but they're they're playing great football too yeah they're a good team they're they're a very very good team i think i think they're very underestimated as well but uh i mean like pierre mid hoiberg is is a guy that I, yeah. like I, I totally rate i mean i've watched more than i've watched more tottenham than i thought i would this year i don't know why uh <laughs> but but yeah no i know I, I guess i like some of their like i like hoiberg i like suzoko I like Aurier. I like uh, Son. I mean, there, there are a lot of players I like there. So, so I watched Yoris. Uh, um, so, yeah. so I, no, I've watched a lot of a lot of Spurs, and I, I really like Hoiberg. And the Danes have a good team, and they they are playing well. And you know, they they, they look like they like they came they come to play every match. Like yeah. they look like they come to score goals. They, they're not they're not just sitting back and defending in a block. And and I think that they should be. Coming. I think they have the best result against Wales. Yeah. Than, any team in the tournament, and I admittedly that red card at the last minute, that was nonsense. I don't know, and I missed the second goal, uh, but I heard that there was some contentious officiating around that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, other than that, like no, I think I think it's really really good. Like I said, I think they had a bigger margin of win than than France in preparation, than Italy uh, in the group, and uh, no credit to them. And, and and yeah, like you say, I think they were they're everybody's. Um, the neutrals favorite and the kind of sweetheart underdog story because because yeah if you look at um, they lose their star player in such horrible circumstances right in the first match of the group stage uh, everybody's kind of I think cheering for them to 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 pull through. No, no, absolutely, and I agree. That's a that's a fair result. There, there's not much more to say that um, 
Wales didn't show up. Um, it, it's just before we move on, I think Wales is, you know, there are some of their players are getting a little older, so we might see a little dip in Wales, I think, moving a bit in the future, like especially like Bale, you know what I mean? Bale's a little older now. Um, same thing with, with Ramsey, but they still got a lot of young guys, so it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who takes leadership moving forward. It's weird because we looked at some of the older players in this tournament, and if anything, they're making the case that you know they should still be around. Like, I mean, Bale isn't like he isn't even that old, I suppose. But um, I remember like he he should have scored against Italy. He had kind of an open chance, and he could have made a one-one. They could have walked out of there with an extra point. But um, yeah, he, uh, he. I mean, if you look at some of the other guys, Benzema, who we'll talk about a little bit later, really uh, uh, doing well. Hummels, uh, aside from being eaten alive by Mbappe in the opener, had a good tournament. I think uh, I didn't see I didn't see the England match, but uh, he did have a good tournament. He was turning in very good ratings, even yeah. from stuff I didn't see. And Pepe also, I think, kind of he's really the old guy of the tournament. And I think everyone would agree that he had a pretty good tournament. Um, again, we lost his shit in this game, but we'll talk about that. This, round. yeah, yeah, but I mean, he still finished the match on the pitch somehow. I mean, like, that, well, we'll wait, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> that. All, all this, this, and Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah, again, with I think five goals, and everybody's talking about is Portugal better without him? And the, you know, the, you still have an argument there, but at the same time, like, who's going to score your goals? So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's very interesting. Uh, either way, and uh, yeah, as much as we're saying these guys are probably done, I mean, we don't actually know that they're done because um, I think a lot of the older players at this tournament have been churning in some good performances, and and I think we are even for the ones that have left the tournament, um, they're typically not the ones you're pointing out as the reasons uh, for these teams going out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Italy two, Austria one. That went into extra time, and so um, from my point of view. I absolutely praise the talent saying they were probably playing the best overall football till this point in the tournament, despite their, their opponents being a little weaker. You know, sometimes you just, yes, your opponent sometimes allows you to play a certain way, but you can tell that tactically and technically they were very good. The flow was very good, very disciplined Italian team. Um, and so this for me was a, was a surprise because it was a game of two halves and they, they, I, I text my buddy like in the first half. I'm just like, like how the Italians not ahead here, man. This is they're playing very good football, passing all that, and then they just died off in the second half. There's credit to Austria who 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 pushed them, but I, I for me I felt this was more of a case of Italy taking their foot off the gas than Austria like outplaying them in any way. And then they they woke up in extra time, and and hence the result. I think uh, I was talking to again one of my Italian buddies, and I was saying. You know, he said, yeah, it was not the best performance and such. And I said, yeah, you know what? And that's the thing. And here's the other thing that relates to some of the results we're going to talk about later. Um, yeah, sorry. What were we saying? <laughs> um, that the Italians, you know, it wasn't their best game, but. Um, yeah, like, right, yeah, right. Yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, you start editing here. Yeah, you know the little clap at like Yeah, exactly. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> I probably won't edit this out. I'll probably No, you're gonna leave this in. Yeah, yeah. I had to take a phone call. I apologize. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, so I was again I, I mentioned I was talking to my uh, Italian buddy and he said it wasn't the best performance. And I said, and as we've seen with some of the other teams, the big nations 
that are going to go deep in tournaments have these kind of games and they always find ways to win them. They have a culture of winning and they find ways to win. They do not blow the big occasion. And it doesn't matter if you end up going extra time. It doesn't matter if you don't have the most convincing performance. All that matters is when it comes to the end of it, you're able to kind of grind it out, find the, find the result you need. And, and the Italians did that. And as we saw with the Dutch and the French, um, they weren't able to do that, especially um, so yeah, uh, and Spain encountered it, and again, Spain found a way. Um, so yeah, I think that you know some people are maybe criticizing the Italian team, saying, "Oh, you know, we looked at them, and I, I knew they weren't that good. I knew they weren't that good um, because the opposition hasn't been great, and you haven't been able to see them tested." Uh, you know, you, you can't say you can't just transpose you know a better team into Austria's place and say, "Oh, they're going to do better than Austria did, and therefore they're going to beat Italy." You don't know that. You don't know that because the Italians will probably step up their game uh, against Belgium today. Um, I think we should probably also note that we rec- we're recording this yeah. uh, right before the two knockout matches are played today. Okay. So that is um, literally once we wrap this up, uh, it- shortly after Spain versus Switzerland is going to start. And then uh, later in the afternoon, Italy versus Belgium. So, yeah, keep that in mind um, as to why we're not talking about those matches. Well, that Tom sent me a bunch. He sent me a message. He's like, here, I got to throw in my predictions for, for the quarter. So we'll we'll cover that quickly mm-hmm. before we wrap things up. Yeah. But no, at the end of the day, you know, Italy are still working well. I still, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen between Italy and Belgium. Just on, on a side note there, just based on two performances that, that were kind of, no, not kind of similar, but, but still under, we'll, we'll say underwhelming for, for both those countries from what, what's it, what's expected on paper, I guess. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think probably. I mean, again, Italy. Just two quick more, two more short notes on that. Uh, when Belotti came on, I thought he was very good. I yeah. thought he held the ball well. I thought he distributed well. I like him. He doesn't complain a lot. Uh, he works hard. Uh, when they had to run out the clock, he was kind of like dribbling up and down the line. Or at one point, was trying to burn some time until I think he eventually got fouled. Uh, but no, he was he was he was quite good. I I thought and I liked his attitude and, and his work. Uh, also, I think that you know credit to Austria as well. There were there were periods where I think the first fifteen they really really kind of dominated proceedings yeah. and they looked unafraid and they were trying to. And then uh, you know once you pass that fifteen minute mark or so or thereabouts, Italy started to really kind of get a hold on this and I th- I thought they were killing their spirit. And then in the second half, I think Austria again kind of came back yeah. into the phase of, all right, you know what? We, I think they're maybe tiring. I think that maybe we can be daring. I think that maybe we can achieve something. And, uh, you know, they, they really did play well. And they had that goal ruled offside, Arnautovic, by, yeah. by nothing. But, it's, again, he was offside. His foot was yeah. offside. So um, he was offside. Uh, there's, nothing to, there's nothing to debate there. Um, so, so yeah, it, it correctly ruled offside. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, all these things to say. And then, again, when you get to extra time, Italy, you know, they made good substitutions. Their bench yeah, right. really, really well. And I just mentioned yeah. Grotti. Yeah. I think, I, I, again, I think Bancini managed that properly. I think the Italians managed the match properly. And I think they absorbed pressure as they needed. And you know what? If that goal, ha- goal hadn't been ruled offside, I'm still convinced Italy would have found an equalizer before the end of 90 minutes. Yeah, so, anyway. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Subs, you know, depth sometimes gets you those wins, and um, that that was the case. Especially Kiesa came on. It was it was nice. It, it was it was overall a very good good performance and a, and worthy worthy winners of that match. Yeah, I, I think in the, before the tournament started, they said you know what wins what wins in these tournaments is quality, but mostly depth. If you have yeah. quality on the bench, because 
you know, we've talked in this before, and we'll talk about it again, you know, when we get into some of the other matches. Luck plays a huge part in these short tournaments. It's not like a season where you have an injury and then, you know, you can sign new players at the transfer window and you play all of your rivals twice and, and all these things. And, you know, over the course of a season, really, you kind of get a, a fair winner. Here, a team can get hot and win a couple of matches and then, you know, they've won the tournament. Or, you know, a team can... Um, you know, suffer a couple of key injuries and all of a sudden they fall off the face of the, the, the planet. And so you, you do need a bit of luck in these situations uh, and depth usually really, really helps out. So yeah, I think, I think Italy has shown that the, they've got great options coming off the bench and they use them very well. As far as, you know, you mentioned, I don't know what to make of Belgium, maybe not the most uh, convincing performance, yeah, I, 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 hey, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get yeah, to that. Right. Save, save that, brother, because I think I think Belgium, Portugal, and and France, uh, Swiss is going to take the bulk of this. I think those are those are the big ones I, I want to talk about. But let's uh, let's go to Holland, Czech. This is the bit the the biggest upset of the tournament that thus far at the, at that point. Listen, Holland was up there for me with Italy and the style of play. You know what I mean? They're playing so well, and then the red card happens. And they go into a shell, and it really, really disappointed me. Like, first of all, let's be honest, Delit was red. You know what I mean? Oh. Delit, Delit pulled off one of those when the ball's going out of bounds in basketball, and you jump up and you throw it through your legs to kind of keep try to keep it in. You know what I mean? Even one of those, it's just like if you have an argument against that, it's just you you can't defend it. That was a red. But for me, the, the Holland's uh, the Netherlands quality was still good enough to control the game. And this is why I have to be harsh on Ginny and 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 Frankie Dijon because they like for for a couple minutes after they kind of got inspired like okay let's go and Frankie was running at the defenders trying to make the game but like Ginny disappeared he was no longer asking for the ball he was like a, a center midfielder especially a uh, a person who, who a player can control the ball you know the tempo of the game you need to do that you need to step up and hold the ball and as someone like Ginny who can hold the ball he didn't man he disappeared and then when he got the ball he worked one time to no one kind of thing right and it was really like it's the mentality just dropped in this dutch team and it was i i thought it was pretty disappointing that they didn't give it a better go with without taking nothing away from the checks i'll 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 say that you know what i mean they're they hustled with quality i don't want to i don't want to say that they're just us all hustles running around no they're a quality team, but um, I think I'm more disappointed in the Dutch that how they just kind of crumbled. I think uh, – I'm not sure if it was Patrick Schick. I think it was Patrick Schick who had that forward play that then put um, – that then put uh, DeLitt in that awkward position. Yeah. I think I, – I don't know what – I have no idea what he was thinking. I Did he – Did he? I mean, he surely must have known that VAR was going to have a look at something like that. Yeah. Uh, he slipped a bit that. like in his defense he slipped a bit but like he kind of i don't know there is no way i don't yeah did he slip yes sure i think was he counting on i think he maybe thought that he could draw the foul from yeah. the forward by falling over bullshit um no way that that goes over and there is no way I think he could even argue. And I think he went straight off after that. Cause when I saw the yellow card, I was, I was, I was, I jumped out of my seat. I'm like, no, that's a red card. That's a red card all day because you could see, especially when I saw the replay, absolutely. He intentionally scoops the ball back. Yeah. Uh, and he's the last player back. 
Um, I couldn't believe the yellow card. He went and saw VAR. As soon as I knew he was checking VAR, it's, it's, no way this guy walks out of here without a red card. Um, so, yeah, just terrible. And he admitted his, after he said, you know, it's my fault that we're out. And a lot of his teammates, and I think his, his manager defended him. But, uh, you know, and it's not just down to him that Holland hadn't been able to find the break, that Holland hadn't been able to impose. I mean, Holland should be able to play a man down and, and beat the Czech Republic. Yeah. Uh, but but then again, uh, you know, all we see is the lit plays at Juventus and um, De Jong plays at Barcelona and, you know, Memphis Depay is a superstar and he's going to Barcelona. But we also don't look at some of the other things. Like you were talking about Quincy Promise. I think Quincy Promise plays for Spartak Moscow. Um, you know, guys like Timber and Dumfries play, still play in Holland. Um, you know, I, I think that we look at Holland, like you had talked about the romanticization of their style of football and the birthplace of total football. I think we've also... You can't neglect that, you know, they missed out on qualifying for the last two major tournaments. They didn't qualify for Euro 2016. They didn't qualify for the World Cup 2018. And I think that's down to a dearth of actual quality players that are available to them. I, like I said, some of, this, some of these younger guys are coming up and now starting to establish themselves. And hopefully they can find complementary players around them. But they still do have a lot of either untested or unexperienced players who are still playing in Holland, which is not one of the big five leagues. Uh, or they have young guys at big clubs that are just starting to establish themselves. So I think that maybe this Holland team is not quite as good as everyone is giving credit. I think a lot of people are giving them credit on history is all I'm getting at. Okay, yeah, no, that that's fair. That that's absolutely fair. So Holland is out. Um, you want you want to tackle Belgium Portugal? That's the next one I have on my list because that's a very very interesting. Um, I took some stick on Facebook for it. Yeah, really uh, did a, a yeah, bit really of did. a bit of banter, a bit of banter. You, you deserve every bit of it. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? So sometimes you need to be petty and and, and yeah, I think. But then again, I felt like it was. Um, I don't think you were the pettiest in in yeah, some of the conversations. Yeah. From from my point of view, I felt like it was. It was classy band, not classy, but like, you know, it, it was, it wasn't way out in left field. You know what I mean? Where I was saying like Belgium dominated. All I said is just like, you know, this highly rated Belgium team, you know what I mean? And people lost their shit. Cause they, anyway, look, listen, um, Belgium won Portugal nil. Um, we saw a totally different uh, Belgium team who just defended with their, with their lives, played a, tried a bit, a, a bit on the counter um, essentially a, a Belgian performance that I, you know, top of my head, I haven't seen before to take it that much. You know what I mean? Um, that being said though, I, for me, I don't know if you agree, Jay, uh, I think Portugal, I don't think they have too much to, to be concerned about moving forward. They still have a very, I think they still have very good, uh, young players, especially coming up with the world cup with or without Ronaldo. I'm not, I'm like for them. I told them like, you guys aren't because two things you have to do, get a new coach and find a team identity because you don't have that. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you don't, I don't know what your, your tactics are. I don't know what your identity is. Um, and like, I asked the question, I, I said, who was Portugal's best player? You know, collectively they, they, they did all right. You know, they, they, they're trending in the right direction, but who, was their leader who took the game by the, the by the scruff of the neck? I, I would say Renato Sanchez. Yeah, uh, I, and Juan Moutinho. I think he was uh, like again. I didn't watch every Portugal match, but Juan Moutinho. When I saw him, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was very excellent. I thought I think he he did fade in this match in the second half. Yeah, he did. Yeah. 
but I did think that in the first half he was lively. I think that he was working well. I think that he was recovering the ball, distributing well. I thought I thought he was very good. I thought Ronaldo Sanchez was probably better against France than he was against uh, Belgium, but uh, still I thought he was he was very good. Um, so yeah, those are those are the two guys, and Moutinho is a guy that you need to start planning. Um, around because they don't have a direct and obvious replacement for him. Uh, And uh, uh, I don't think guys like Moutinho with his football brain don't grow on trees. Um, So yeah, I I don't, I don't know that they're going to have one. Renato Sanchez. Great for them. They're going to be able to build around him. Hopefully, hopefully they do build around him and not. I guess Jay, when it comes to Renato, I guess I I might be a little harsh, but uh, you did. I know he did fade. I saw He, he did fade in the game. My biggest issue or my the, the thing I value a lot is center midfielders taking control of games. Yeah. Right? And he didn't. This, this is what really bothers me. It, we didn't see enough of him. Uh, for example, at, at halftime on TSN, they were showing like, oh, uh, Renato's trying some stuff. And they had three highlights. One was a ridiculous shot outside the box. I almost ended up in a throw in a throw in, right? Bad decision. Like, how is that a positive? Why are you showing that highlight? And then two of them where he had decent runs, but it wasn't enough for me. It, it still wasn't enough. And he's still relatively young. I, I agree with that. But um, uh, that being said, you can definitely definitely build a, a team around him. And and Motinho is just uh, he's a little older, but he definitely uh, he showed calmness. You know what I mean? A, a nice nice calmness and, and distribution. Yeah, he said he settled things, and and yeah, again, like I think you need you need players like that that uh, that do that that help you set the tempo that you want to play at. And Moutinho is is definitely I, I like again from watching him at Monaco years ago. I knew that when he went to Wolves, I was like, I don't know why he's going there. Honestly, I know that Wolves and their relationship with Jorge Mendes uh, or whatever yeah. his name is, the super agent. Uh, Ronaldo's agent has established a whole like you know Portuguese community in Wolverhampton, but I, I you know I, I, I and I was shocked that he would go there just because I thought he was better than that. But um, yeah, he's he's a very very good player. They're lucky to have him, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I, and again I think it's time to start trying to find someone else that can play that role for them, and I don't think it's going to be necessarily that easy. Um, let's talk about, uh, some fouls because we got, the game got a little dirty and this is why I want to talk about Pepe. The thing about Pepe is that, so I watched him at Real. Yeah. You know, he had some, some very successful years there, but he's a dirty fuck. And you know what I mean? He's a, he's a dirty fuck. And, and the 2016 showed me, proved to me that Pepe can defend. Although they defended as a collective, he was very good when he stopped, when he stops being, a, a dirty little shit and he defaulted back to being a dirty shit this game and it was driving me nuts um he started just doing with the argument the little the little kickouts and stuff like that especially oh, i forget which player he took out after the whistle like he went in Hazard. hard man it was it in Hazard, i think he leveled him man. or I think, I think it was his brother but anyway um yeah it was one of the Hazals. i think i, th- I thought it was it then might have been Torgan. he leveled him man he leveled him and he still argued not only did he just cut him off, but he threw an elbow at him too. And 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 he was actually arguing against the fact that he got yellow carded. 
Yeah, I mean, fucking stupid. That's going to be his. That's going to be his default, no matter what. I mean, like you, I don't think you can. I think you, you, you looked. I think he kind of reminds me of Gattuso as well, right? You know, like Gattuso would go from play acting one second to come to arguing his innocence when he clearly fouled someone. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think Pepe is like that. I think the. I think I saw one of the arguments in your, you know, uh, aforementioned Facebook discussion that you know if that had happened during the play, it would have been a red card. But because it happened after, it was only yellow. I would have said it's the complete other way around. If you do something like that after the whistle blows and the play's yeah. not even on anymore, clearly it has been stopped and you kick somebody intentionally, that's more uh, reason for you to get a red card because yeah. you're not even – it's not even the game. You can't even claim that it was happening during play. Um, so, yeah, I, I – I, I, you know, he, yeah, yeah, is, is he a little shit? Yes. Is he valuable to that Portuguese team? Absolutely. And I think you look at some of the other options on that Portuguese back line, I mean – uh, Ruben Diaz, obviously, I have no complaints there, but Nelson Semedo is not the best option. And oh yeah, true. I think a lot of these, I, I don't know how deep uh, it goes after that, but uh, the fact that they can't let him go, uh, it's probably one of the other things. Too. And that, that's you see, look at a lot of the attacking talent there, and arguably they have the best player in the world in Ronaldo. Um, you, it, it, I think it's it's easy for you to kind of overlook some of the other cracks around there. Like again, people think. Bruno Fernandez is incredible. No, he was shit, eh? He's he's he literally shit. like he looked in that situation like the player that I have been watching all year at United. OGS has no problem with this guy, and I mentioned in the last pod just punting the ball, hail mary passes all over the field. Hopefully, one of them finds someone, and usually, eventually, you'll know, land on someone's foot and they'll score. Um, but you know, in, in these matches where you're going to be punished for every little thing, you're not granted that degree of freedom. Uh, and, and I think Santos looked at him and was like, what do you, what are you doing? And, and he came on in the last two matches in hail Mary time, right? Like that's when he came on. And uh, in this match, you know, he, he just fired shots wide. He tried crosses that didn't even come close to finding someone, uh, oh my God! I mean, there was again in that discussion. There were some complaints that Edinas all was diving. Bruno Fernandez. I mean, if anything uh, came within five feet of him, oh God, he went down for. I remember the replays were excruciating to watch because you see and you're just like, oh, there was no contact there. He just went down for nothing, and uh, yeah, and it was theatrical, it was dramatic. It was yeah. He's just you know he's he was a player that was just like grating to watch. It just. You know, I, and, and I understand why he came on because, yeah, like I said, it is hail mary time. Oh, he was, he was, a, he was atrocious, and he was, he was just, you know, he, he lived up to every every single expectation that I've built up around him. <laughs> Watching him for Manchester United, where he's revered as some sort of god for reasons I still cannot understand. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, last thing I want to do before we move on is. Uh, that kid, Paulinha, should, should he have been on the pitch or not? I, for you, ask me. Um, he had two book of, bookable offenses, two yellows. He should have been off a pull on Lukaku. And despite what he, you can see that he won the ball on KDB. He's still from behind. He's lunging. He's his both feet are off the ground, and he's scissoring one of his running legs. Like I don't understand how that's not a. Uh, uh, it was yellow carded. Don't get me wrong, but like that argument that's a that should never been a yellow. He won the ball, but it's it's from behind. Since when, Chase? Since when are we allowed doing tackles from behind? I, and I think that that's I think this is very similar uh, to the to the Mbappe tackle against Germany or the the Mats Hummels tackle on Mbappe during Germany. 
Yeah, if you can get away cleanly with the ball from that attack. I know you got the ball, but if you can get the ball away cleanly without taking the player down, fair play to you. Uh, you, you should be able to tackle from behind that way. Uh, or if you like, kind of get around and cut it out in front, like uh, we saw one of those from, from on De Bruyne as well from Conte in the Champions League final. There was a tackle where he just kind of caught up from behind and then kind of hooked his foot yeah. around, got all of the ball, and then, you know, in consequence... You know, the ball was gone and, and De Bruyne fell over forward. And it was an excellent tackle. But, I mean, it's for those, you know them when you see them. Like, you look at them and you say, yeah, you got a bit of the ball, but you completely clattered the man in the yeah, process. Exactly. Um, so, again, if it's not, like, clearly ball taken first and then player falls over you. And, again, like, on those tackles, I mean, players always make it look worse than it was. But I remember on the Conte tackle – the Bruyne fell over forward. It was not a harmful challenge. Nobody's foot was getting stuck underneath. The ball was taken away cleanly before the contact happened. And Conte had kept his foot down to do it. So we like, yeah, in those cases. But in these other ones, when, you know, like you said, when there's a trailing leg that kind of chops you down and things, it becomes much more complicated. So, I mean, you can argue either way. I mean, the shirt, the, the shirt, took, like I said, the first time you look at, he pulled them the first time and I thought, okay, it's probably a foul, maybe probably a yellow card too. And then I didn't realize it wasn't over and the replay continues and he pulls even harder on his shirt. (laughs) You've been holding his shirt for a solid five seconds now and you've pulled on him twice as hard as you possibly can. Uh, I'm surprised you're even still running. I thought Lukaku's momentum would just be pulling you forward, even if you had your feet your feet planted. But uh, yeah, that, that would, that I mean, that one's a yellow card. I don't think that you make, if Lukaku goes down, especially yeah. on that second tug yeah. that's there's no way he gets away without a yellow card there's just no way and it wasn't uh, and even called it, a foul aj like that's a crazy well, part no it wasn't and that's i mean again the disappointing i remember near the end of the season patrick bamford had a huge argument um that went on for like five minutes with an official even after the play had restarted but he's saying in the box i think i completely i think he pulled his shirt too it was the same sort of thing and completely pulled him off balance and so he lost his footing but tried to stay up and the chance was gone and he's yelling at the ref saying look you're telling me to dive you're instructing me to dive because you're not giving me the foul for me trying to stay on my feet despite the fact that you can see i was clearly impeded or you can go do a var check and see that clearly a foul took place i just didn't go down but now you're telling me if you would have gone down we would have given it to you you're just telling me to dive which is really unfortunate i think they really need to have a better look at that absolutely uh let, what do you want to do? You want to do because let's do Sweden and Ukraine because that it went into extra time. That was you know that was a well balanced game. I, I I enjoyed that. I don't have much to say about it apart from the fact that at first I didn't think that the Swedish player should have been sent off. Like what else can the guy do when he's defending? He's clearing the ball, but with the replay, oh dude, he gets him right just underneath his his um his knee. Uh, apparently it's a it's a broken leg. I think I read. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the guy's leg is broken. Um, but it was entertaining. Ukraine edged it 2-1 in extra time against Sweden, which was totally awesome. Again, well-balanced game, entertainment for the neutrals. Uh, yeah, I have no comments because I did not see the match or the highlights or read anything about it. Yeah, no, I, I thought it, it was great, man. Um, then I'll, I'll jump to, to England, Germany. We'll finish with France-Swiss just because of our yeah. of our time, Jay. Yeah. But... Um, England two, Germany nil. Um, you know everything. Germany could have finished this, in my opinion. They could have, you know, the they had their chances, and um, 
Timo Warner can't finish anything right now. I feel bad for him. Um, but then again, he make, he's making some bad decisions, some bad cuts, some bad touches. Uh, but I do feel bad for him. He must be super low on confidence. Uh, even Muller had a breakaway, which, to be completely honest, man, I don't remember seeing Muller have too many breakaways. Maybe his uh, Bundesliga fanatics are going to are gonna prove me otherwise, which is which is fine. But I, I think he's not that fast. Yeah, so. it. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, he's not like Mbappe, release him and he will go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so he missed that breakaway. But, you know, England was good. We're good for the money. Um, obviously, obviously, the headlines, the newspapers had Harry Kane. You know what I mean? Harry Kane, the... Uh, he did nothing. He was lucky to still be on the uh, on the field in terms of substitutes, um, but it was you know Sterling. It was Sterling inspired. You know what I mean? It was a Jack, Jack Grealish inspired. But of course, Harry Kane's the one on the cover, and that's uh, part of the story of his career. How he gets you know he he's he, he was even given uh, England captaincy over Jordan Henderson with with zero leadership. You know what I mean? Like you you can tell who's actually the leader in England and, and it's not Harry Kane. I said that, um, I said at the beginning of the tournament I thought that they were low on leadership aside from Hendo. Yeah. So, you know, Southgate I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to praise Southgate too much. Maybe I'm a little turned off by the English media too, but I'm not going to go over the top and praise Southgate so much because what he did is that he brought on his one of his best attacking player in Jack Grealish and that changed the games. Congratulations, you fixed your stupid mistake where you should have been starting anyway. But go on. What, what do you what do you got for me, Jay, in in that contest and on that game? You've already touched on it, sort of. <laughs> I when, ran it for a bit. <laughs> when when you need someone to step up in the big moments and make the difference for England, make no mistake. There there's one name. The name is Raheem Sterling. I don't want to hear anything else. I don't even want to hear the media hyping up Jack Grealish. The name is Raheem Sterling. There is nothing else. Um, you were, you were. I think your assessment of Kane is correct. He had, I will say, credit where credit is due. It was a great header to seal it. It was a yeah. great, great header. Um, you know, he kind of contracted his body and leaned it and placed it perfectly. I, I have to give him credit for that. But I also have to say, I cannot believe his first touch in the dying minutes of the first half. He has. <laughs> He has to score there. He yeah. has to score. That is, if I'm on, like, I'm one of his teammates, that is unacceptable. You're this world-class, 100 million pound rated center forward, and that's your first touch when the match is 0-0 and you have a clear opportunity to score. He has to score there. That touch was egregious. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was so bad. Uh, I am shocked, as you said, that Mueller, like I said, not not like you see, he's not like a, always on breakaways, but um, I can't believe he didn't finish that. Yeah, I'm shocked. Sure. I'm sh- and I'm even more shocked that he's never scored at the European Championships, which is a stat yeah. I didn't hear about before. Um, I was I was reading about this match in the lead up to it. Uh, on a personal note, and I guess this is a sort of this sort of plays off your point about Southgate. Uh, you did bring, mention Grealish, but Calvin Phillips yes. is not being talked about. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Calvin Phillips is not being talked about. The decision to include him, everybody said, like you said at the beginning of the tournament, I was surprised. I'm not going to act like I knew he was going to start. Yep. Calvin Phillips gives them something that they have not had in years. Calvin Phillips is Marcelo Bielsa's contribution to this Euro. And England are lucky to have, and I have to give credit to Southgate that he actually recognizes that having him on the field will make them tick. Uh, and that he's good at recovering the ball, and he's a great passer. 
Um, I, I think he's going to continue to be underappreciated. I did see, I did see that he got, uh, uh, you know, a rating of seven for the match from the Guardian, which is fair enough. Uh, and they talked about his energy was kind of, he was really, really kind of imposing himself in the early stages. They're surprised he didn't have, you know, he could have had two yellow cards before the halftime, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that he's, he has been critical to this team managing the tournament so far. And I think he's going to continue to be critical in whatever success they have. Absolutely. Um, damn it. I forget the date. This is the first time England beats Germany since 19 something 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 you know, like 40 or 50 years or yeah, something, yeah. Like something so good you know what? i think it's beats germany in the knockout stages i don't know if ah, it's, okay i have a major tournament i don't know if it's beats germany period it might be that but i, yeah. I believe the stat i heard was something like 40 or 50 years since yeah. they last beat germany in the knockout stage of a major tournament yeah. absolutely so um just before we wrap that up where germany goes from here is going to be very interesting because they need to do a little rebuild uh joaquin low is out um, I damn it, they had appointed some damn it, Obviously, I, 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 Flick. I think it's Hansi Flick, isn't it? Yes, who's gonna take over? Who's gonna take over? Uh, that's gonna be very interesting. So keep your eye on Germany. Germany will have they, they get a slight down, you know what I mean? And but then they come right back up. Um, I think they're still gonna produce some very good players. They have uh, some very good players already. So it's about those players who came out of retirement to keep on playing. How do you replace them? That, that's gonna be uh, quite interesting, but. It's Germany, man. They're they're disciplined. They're they'll come through. They they have a, they have enough players in a yeah. great league, and uh, yeah, you, you're going to see you're going to see. I think uh, you know when you see. I think I think Kai Havertz is a very good player. I think Joshua Kimmich is the leader of this team going forward. Um, I think Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry are still young enough to contribute for years. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm not going to act like Germany should hit the panic button and it's crisis time or anything like that. They, there's there's going to be some good things going forward. Mm -hmm. Guys, welcome to part two of our round of 16 review of the Euro 2020. Guys, due to contract issues, we were we cut the last uh, episode because we have to bring Tom in. I am legally not allowed to post more than two pods without Tom. Tommy, welcome aboard, man. It, it's I'm back. Good to have you back. Yes, sir. You're back. You got to stop recording these in the middle of weekdays when you, yeah. you guys are on, vaca on, on vacation. I still have to work like a chump. <laughs> Obviously, we know Jay's here too, guys. And uh, we're going to continue talking about the round of 16. And full disclosure, we are now recording this after the first quarterfinal match day. So we know the results for the Spain versus Switzerland game. And the game that just fell, finished, which is Belgium and Italy. So, we'll, you know what? We'll, we'll kind of touch on that. And, and Tom, you predicted some stuff. We didn't get to it. But then we can you can see if your predictions were pretty close, which I think, if I remember correctly, they, were, they weren't too bad, man. Yeah, I think, yeah, they were pretty good. But let's go back in time here and let's talk about Spain and Croatia because that was the, yeah, that was a very entertaining game. Uh, ended up being 5-3 an extra time for for Spain and uh, you know what, Tommy, I'll, I'll give you I'll kind of give you the platform there, the the floor. It was a great back to back uh, end to end game. I mean, it was it's one of the best games I've seen at any Euro tournament in a while. Um, in I can't I can't think of the last one, but it was just such a fantastic game. Um, you know, it was you know Spain were three uh, three one up and looked like to be cruising, and then Croatia staged an epic comeback, but then Spain got it back together an extra time. Uh, the, the guy everyone loves to rag on, including me, Morata, got, ended up getting the game winner. But, yeah, I mean, just, you know, I will, you know, put my hand up and said I didn't expect Spain to be able to score five goals in a game, and they've done it twice. 
uh, at these uh, in this tournament so far. And yeah, it's you know what credit to them and credit to I mean a lot of character was shown. I thought that even though they lost, I thought Croatia showed a lot of character to get back in, and it really shows the experienced guys like Modric, uh, who's involved, and some of the other guys that they have that. Although they've slowed down a little bit, they still have that sort of experience and that mentality to dig deep and like make sure the game make sure the game isn't over and keep them back in the game. Jay, what do you got for me, man? It seems like you're really pensive there. Is that the way you say it? Pensative? Pensative? Pensive, I guess. Pensive, yeah. pensive. 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 French, yeah. yeah. <laughs> First of all, welcome back, Tom, and all you kippers. Make sure you hit hashtag free Tom if he doesn't go up for a while. <laughs> Hashtag free Tom. Contract. He's been holding out contract disputes. Oh, he's gonna say he knows that Hostway's got that no more SoundCloud payments money and he wants a piece. Yeah, where where's that money going to now, Hostway? Where's it going to? Yeah, where's where's that money going? The internet's worse. Tom's not here all the time. Don't know what's going on with this new Jay guy who's been on the last three episodes. <laughs> You've really lost all your listeners so far. Um, no, this this game. I mean, like Tom, Tom pretty much nailed everything there. Uh, you know, three-one uh, lead in cruising. Like, how do you blow that? Um, I don't think we've ever seen that in the history of this tournament. Certainly not twice in the same day. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it was it was kind of shocking, really, for them for for that to happen. I mean, the first. The first own goal. I think it was that the first goal for the own goal. That last Pedri, man. Yo, oh. that that Pedri pass, but well, get nice inside of the foot. You know what I mean? Solid. I I thought, yo, that that's a good pass. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's because Simon was he, was he was looking at at his next pass already, right? Yeah. yeah. And he just I I don't know, and he just did, he didn't place his foot properly to make the first touch. He wasn't paying attention to the first yeah. touch. He was already thinking about the pass and. Uh, yeah, and isn't, isn't that what we're, we're taught at the youth level? Always visualize, always know your next move. I think he took it too far. Right? Like I think he. <laughs> <laughs> you think about the next one, not the one like or like two moves away, but not. <laughs> yeah, okay. Also, you're not Andres Iniesta in the middle of the park with like no time. This is like a long pass back from like a quarter of the way up the field. Uh, and yeah, you can take the time to look at the ball and make sure you get your touch right. So something catastrophic doesn't happen as it did. But and I, and anyway. that, in my opinion, you're not you're not even Spain's best goalie. On top of that, like we're. You know what I mean? Like, what's what's going on there? You you have this this cockiness to you, which guys, I'm being sarcastic. It's sarcastic. He obviously didn't have that, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. My my only other observation, and I think Tom talked about how you know, yeah, these guys are getting older, and I thought I think closely. I mentioned to you that you know they look kind of tired in that English match, yeah. and you were thinking, man, this is, this is an older team. And you know what? It feels like they've been like every match they've just been rolling back the years a little bit, and they were talking about how like they're kind of you know. Uh, physical presence, uh, especially in midfield and kind of around there, was causing Spain to be a bit unsettled. I think the other note I have uh, is that Emeric Laporte and Garcia, uh, I heard, I didn't watch the whole match, but I heard they were a little bit all over the place at times. Um, so, yeah, anyway, just the, the, those are my notes. But, yeah, I mean, the, I think that like we talked about with Italy and Austria, the big teams can face adversity. The big teams can find uh, find themselves into tight matches or play to a level where um, things get close, things get uncomfortable, but they know how to manage those moments and then they know how to make the difference after. Um, so, yeah, that's what Spain did here uh, against, you know, a good Croatia team. If it wasn't for the Haitian goalie against Canada, that would have been the worst own goal of the year. Yeah, fair, fair. 
Oh god! And the worst part about it is that like keepers do have this. You know, it could happen to them. They get you know keepers see a lot more of the ball nowadays, especially at their feet, right? Because they they're now like really saying, "Hey, listen, you need essentially if you want to be a good goalie, obviously you do the basics, but you almost play a sweep sweeper keeper role." You know what I mean? You need to you need to be good on the ball nowadays. So yeah, so this is bad. The only thing that sucks is just such a massive stage. You know what I mean? Like it's it's huge. So it it definitely sucks. But well, Spain, it matters a bit less because Spain still won. But if they yeah. had lost, oh. oh yeah, if Spain had lost this game, that's all we'd be talking. We'd be talking uh, about. I think Luis Enrique would have his. He'd be on the chopping block for for because he he's pretty much he made the bold decision to take him over De Gea, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know who the third keeper is, top of my head. Um, but um, I, fact, well, Kepa's not there. That's for damn sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, no. Um, it's quite, it's quite interesting the, the Spaniards because we'll, we'll touch uh, on it a bit a little, a, a little later to see how they did today. But uh, guys, you, you guys want to tackle the France and Switzerland game? I know someone who does. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna God. do my best. I'm gonna do my best not to cry. <laughs> yeah. express yourself over the top listen um okay my issue with france and i said this before is that despite winning without getting out of second gear i thought it was going to be an issue i I, re- I really thought that they i wanted more from them i've always wanted more from them uh, i wanted them to smash teams you know what i mean because i know that 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 they have that in them Jay, we had a discussion that, that you said, and it's a valid point, that they don't need to. You know, All they need is professional performances. Fair enough. But, Jay, I think this one came back to, to bite them a bit. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I heard one observation at one point um, that I thought was very, very, very good is that France plays in spots. They play in spots. Like, And that's – I made the observation, I think, on the first podcast that – that we did when we were talking about the Euro that, uh, you know, they look very scary or this was after the Germany match. They look very scary because they look like at any point they're ready to shoot it out with you. Um, And if they do, there can be devastating consequences. Now the problem is against Hungary, uh, time came to shoot it out and it didn't happen. And then Portugal as well, it looked like, I think they were happy with the result and that they were going to go through first. But again, I mean, you kind of felt like a France goal was imminent. And if they decided to let loose and shoot it out, they could have done that. And they were already qualified anyway. Um, so, I mean, what? The worst case scenario, they could have had to face uh, England or Belgium. Uh, I, I mean, like, is, is that really that terrible? Um, so, anyway, I, you know, that was kind of disappointing. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're a team that plays in spots. They, they don't kind of control the whole match. I think Portugal is kind of very similar as well. Um, they do kind of kind of play in spots. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'll let you guys give your thoughts. Um, or assessments and all that. I think they just got cocky. I mean, I thought Deschamps Deschamps changed his formation for this game. And to me, that was cocky. And then they didn't recognize the threat of Harris Seferovic. Harris Seferovic is not necessarily the most technically skilled, but he's a big lump and he's a good header of the ball. And he was out-muscling French center backs all day. Uh, And that was exactly the Swiss game, was cross it to Harris and let him do his thing and let's see if he can get a goal. And he got two. And I thought that it it seemed just seemed a bit arrogant on the part of Deschamps and also the French center backs. They didn't really give Seferovic the respect that he deserved, and he punished them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that if there's a note uh, 
uh, coming out of this is they had this, you know, this attitude of superiority. They were looking past Switzerland, much like they looked past Portugal in, in the final of 2016. They, they walked into that saying, this is already won. Deschamps made a huge mistake from the outset, playing three at the back. I had noted that he'd done it a few times over the past year with very, very poor results. He, uh, I heard another stat that he had used this system four times in the something like 114 matches he's been in charge of France. And yeah, never again. So like he's barely ever used the system. He decided to use it because he moved because both left backs were injured and the backup right back, which Koundé, which they were thinking about back, was also injured. Um, so they moved Rabiot back in there, which they had done in a pinch uh, last match when I think they had to take off Hernandez. They took off, sorry, they took off Hernandez, put in Ding, and had to take Ding back off. Uh, so they used Rabiot there for the rest of the match. So he put in an extra center back to kind of create extra cover. But again, this is a system that they weren't comfortable with. It hasn't really worked. Uh, and here's the other part that I, I understand the logic behind it to a certain point, but I also don't understand why he didn't use Leo Dubois. Uh, Leo Dubois has at times played as a makeshift left back he's a right back uh but yeah I, I don't understand why that didn't happen was he just afraid of risking another fullback because he only had one healthy one in Bavard? uh it, it was weird it was, it was it was kind of a weird weird choice uh, especially using Rabiot there given he, apparently he had some ankle issues I, I don't know why he decided to do that but you're absolutely right Seferovic um I, I completely outmuscled Langlais for that yeah, first I, goal. you know what I saw that and I was I was actually kind of pissed. I was annoyed. You know what I mean? I'm like, you're you're a center back. You know what I mean? Like, hold your ground. Be physical. You know, you're, like, they, you're, you're supposed to be known for these kind of things. Yeah, you know, some people say there you're a ball playing center back, this and that. But you got to be physical. You have to defend one. And a little a little nudge shouldn't make you bend over that way. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's crazy. But at the same time, you know, coming from, from um, a Barcelona background, like playing all his club football there, like, you know, they don't exactly get physical either. So, and they, they leaked a lot of goals this year as well. So, um, yeah, I, th I thought it was super weak. He was a weird, he was a weird inclusion. Uh, like, it was just, the other thing too is if you're going to play three at the back, Zuma actually plays in a three at the back system at Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken. So he would make more sense than Langlais as the kind of player to, to put into that spot. And he has, he has had a, like a, you know, I know he's had limited time, but, you know, he's, he's, he's a good – he's a really good option. And he, I can't imagine Kurt Zuma uh, just getting muscled out of the way like that, like Langlais did. Um, so, anyway, sorry, go ahead, Tom. That's a good point because Zuma plays in England where the Harris Seferovic type forwards, the big sort of – that big target are much more common than in, 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 uh, in La Liga. And so, yeah, you're right. I think that Zuma – Zuma is a more physical defender. So Zuma probably would have been a better option. Zuma wouldn't have been able to get bodied, bodied the way um, uh, Langlais was. Um, what else do I have to add? I mean, yeah, so I suppose that so he started with that, it went terribly. They were down one nothing, and he switched, he took Longley off because he was woeful. Um, uh, and it like we mentioned, completely at fault for the first goal. He took him off, put in Coman, so he switched back to the regular system. So now he still had two center backs, and Clabio still operating at left back, and um, Pavard still on the right. And then Pavard goes and makes a completely needless tackle. Like right near the edge of the box, yeah. but definitely inside the box, not disputing. That was a penalty all day. Um, so if not for Hugo Ulysses' heroics, they're down 2 nothing. 
uh, just as they've changed the system and starting to get back into the match. So again, like Pavel had a weird tournament, and that was just a, not a, not a good game. Um, so yeah, I, I was I he was he was that was that was horrible. So they should have been down two nothing, but. You know, eventually um, they bring so you know they, they, they go back to the original system. Coman's in, and they they, they go back up three one, right? Like they, they like things start clicking again, and in a short period, Benzema scores goals, two goals. Pogba scores a nice long range effort. They go back up three one, and then Kimpembe switches off during two like crucial moments, as he'd been doing pretty consistently throughout the match. Uh, and they can see two goals. I remember a couple of times the ball is just I, I, like a long ball. And somebody puts a header in and he's just kind of standing there and then realizes, oh, shit, I'm the closest to the ball. And he starts running over. And But by, at that time, the Swiss attacker has already got to the ball and he's in a position to cover. So there's no run in. But it's kind of like you could have just retained possession there if you were actually paying attention to this game. So, I mean, for Switzerland's second goal, uh, Pogba had his pocket picked and Roy Keane accused him of lacking maturity. But I mean, he had his pocket picked on the Swiss side of the halfway line, so he's not even his own half. Yeah. Uh, There's plenty of time to recover there. Plenty. Yeah, he had plenty of time to recover. There are a million players behind him. You're gonna fault him for trying something in that match. Also, I, I will add, he tried to take on players six times and was successful five times. So based on the flow of the match, not exactly a bad decision uh, based on previous outcomes. So Conte tried to cut out Granit Xhaka's pass, and maybe he could have track the run better um oh, sorry and oh sorry that was for that was i think that was for pogba's equalizer i'm sorry uh but yeah anyways conte could have could probably track the run instead of trying to cut it out but that's what conte does he kind of pinches in and, and picks out passes and, and so it didn't work um but like van and kipembe were both free to to to, to get granovic and van admittedly was kind of behind him so he didn't see the run but kipembe had a clear view of yeah. all of it and again, reacted just way too late, um, as he had all night. And so Kranovich cut the ball, sat Kimpembe down in embarrassing fashion, and then he finished. Um, and again, like for the, the header goal, or maybe I'm getting the order mixed up. I can't remember which one was which. But for the one that Sverovich's second goal, the header, that was, uh, again, that was the second. That was the second one. Okay, yeah. right. So I'm yeah. getting, just getting the order mixed up. So yeah, again, so, so that was the last one. For the second, the header, um, Kimpembe is marking no one. He's just standing kind of like near post. And Vahan sees Sferovic and tries to get over and, and get a handle on him. And the ball falls to him. And Kimpembe just stands there and turns around and the ball's in the back of the net. And I'm kind of like, well, like, what are you doing? You're, you're of no benefit to anyone here. Um, so, like, I just, I mean, anyway, that happens. And then France can't find the break in extra time. They lose in the shootout lottery, and they deserve to go out for that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's like it was just—I I, I have to say—Kimpembe was so so bad. Uh, yeah, Kimpembe was atrocious, and yeah, Pavel had a bad game. Langlais was justifiably taken out, but I cannot get over how Kimpembe switched off so many times. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head, France were the authors of their own misfortune because they just didn't defend. I mean, I mean, Harris Everick is a decent player, but he's not exactly a world eater. I mean, he's a solid, big center forward. And so, but a guy like that, you can't give him that kind of space. It's yeah. just like, he's just, that's just like Christmas uh, has come early and over and over again for him because like, okay, I can just head at will and eventually so these will go in. 
I remember the Italy match too, where he was not granted that sort of freedom, and his he was limited to trying to trying to make space for himself and take shots, and he was completely ineffective. Like he was not, yeah. you know, like this was just like kind of slow, like useless guy, and everything that was good was coming out of like Brill and Bolo. But yeah, I, 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 I same thing I was watching. But yeah, it's like oh, he's good at one thing, and you let him do that one thing. Like, <laughs> how would you not figure? Yeah. Like this is just terrible. Um, so I mean, I mean, I will say it sucks that Dembélé got injured right away. You know, he came off the bench, he got injured right away. He had to be subbed in and then subbed back out. He's already gone to Finland, got his operation on his knee. Um, it sucks. It sucks. Same thing in this match. Coman gets subbed on and then he's subbed back off in the same match due to injury. Uh, you know, I mentioned injuries to Hernandez, Zing, Kunde, Rabio apparently on a slightly injured ankle. Ankle, sorry. We talked about this. You need some luck at these tournaments, uh, these short tournaments. And Deschamps really just didn't get any this time around. It was a tough group. They had really hot weather uh, in, in, I think it was Budapest. Um, you know, they had injuries galore. Uh, I think that, you know, people are talking about Deschamps. He got the tactics wrong. It was like trying the three at the back thing was a bad idea. He should have played David Dubois. But other than that, I mean, I think if France wins the Nations League in the fall and then they win the World Cup next year or at least have a good showing, uh, this will be seen as kind of a weird blip. Uh, you know, if anything, I'd rather just never see Kip Mbembe ever play for France again. <laughs> really? Okay. okay yeah. He was that at fault. He was that at fault for all of this. He was so – like, don't get me wrong. France were getting the authors of their own downfall, but he was so incredibly bad. Like, you know, I, I, we're watching La Porte line up for Spain, and, and I mentioned that he may, he, maybe him and Garcia were not kind of all over the place against Croatia, so it might not have made a difference. But seriously, like, bring back fucking injured Mtiti or fucking Adil Rami. Anyone <laughs> with Mbembe. Honestly, this guy is, yeah. is it's te- he was terrible, and he's the reason. I think that I don't think enough people are talking about how this is entirely his fault, because <laughs> if you watch the goals, you realize this was entirely his fault. Um, and yeah, with, so, without major errors like that, a team like France doesn't blow a two goal lead. Yeah, time. if he doesn't lose concentration in those two moments, it's 3 1. They're on to the next round. They're playing Spain. Everyone gets a treat. We get to watch France, Spain. Um, and then we get to watch Italy play the winner of that. But and, and like, it, it, it's he was, he was terrible. Um, uh, uh, on that, I will also add there's no way to get around it. Mbappe had a poor tournament. Um, yeah. I don't think there's a player in this tournament that could have given him better service than Paul Pogba. Uh, and, you know, here are the numbers according to Opta. In four matches, he scored no goals. He picked up one assist, which, if you will recall, was that last Aaron Ball that was behind Benzema against Switzerland. Right. First performed this, probably the craziest first touch of the tournament. It was pure magic to somehow, like, grab it with the back of his, like, the side of his foot behind him and pull it in front of him to finish. Uh, like, so, that, so I mean, you, you gave him an assist, but that's literally just like kind of – it's like in hockey if somebody – a defender makes a pass behind the net to someone and then he takes it in and scores. Like all it goes coast to coast and scores. It really was not uh, a moment of Mbappe magic. He had 183 touches, and I know he's a forward, but he lost possession staggering like 62 times. Of his 12 shots, only three were on target, and he created seven chances um, all tournament. Um it, do you think? I mean, look, everyone talks about Mbappe. Okay, we're talking about uh, you know post CR seven, post Messi. People are saying now it's going to be Mbappe and and Haaland. 
this is this is the next thing. Um, man, do you think there's a lot of there's obviously a lot of pressure on the kid? That that's for sure. And when he shows that he has still a lot to learn, like people just you know the people have the potential to come at him pretty hard and say like he's not ready yet or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, um, again, it's four games. You're entitled to have four bad games in your career. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think it sucks that he you know the hype, the big hype, and he he kind of he buckled a bit. I, yeah. I think I, I mean he's. I think Pogba was taking on a leadership role. He might have been a year or two older than Mbappe, but Pogba had to take a leadership role in this team pretty young. Um, Mbappe's been on the scene, firmly on the scene since 2018. He's been a fixture of this France side. Um, and, I mean, he's he's been a fixture of that Paris side that has been winning trophies. He's been scoring tons of goals. I, I think that he's in some turmoil at the moment. His club future's in doubt. I think he wants to leave for Real Madrid. I think you look at, but you look at his frustrated demeanor and, you know, he's complaining. It was sort of emblematic of what I felt France's attitude of superiority was. And we talked about that a little bit, Um, you know, and and I think the only time in this tournament they were completely switched on for 90 minutes was against Germany. Uh, And again, with Mbappé, like again, if you look at you know he didn't get that penalty against Germany, he probably should have. But in that match, he also should have timed those two runs better to add himself a goal and an assist. You know, with his pace, there's no excuse for not holding off another split second as you run at Matt Hummels, right? Like you're just going to turn on the burners in a few seconds and beat him to the ball anyway. So why not hold off a second more if you're you're like the fastest player in football? Uh, you know, he was gifted a soft penalty against Portugal. And then, you know, he kept going down in the box against Switzerland and complaining even after really soft contact. And that seemed, you know, like, like he was just kind of expecting it. Uh, and, and again, it was just really, yeah, it was, it was shocking. Yeah, I think that, I, I think that there's a, probably something, there might, they're very, uh, well, maybe something going on behind the scenes in him that is cause that's causing him distractions. I mean, all the talk of going to Real Madrid, like you mentioned, and all the pressure. I mean, he's still he's what twenty three, and like yeah, you know, twenty three in December, twenty three. Yeah, so he's twenty two, and like it's yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him, and a lot of talk about his future, a lot of things going on, and so it could be just that he's just too much, too many distractions. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I I don't disagree, Tom, but I, I think that. Uh, I mean, this is a young France team, right? Like, it's a, it's a young team. And like I said, when you've been in the national team as a regular fixture for three years, it's, it's like you have to bear some of those expectations, I suppose. Yeah. And, and like I said, he's, he is being trusted with that. You know, like, they could have put Kingsley Coman there. Uh, they could have started Kingsley Coman there if he wasn't if he wasn't ready. But he's getting the starting position in this coveted France side, for which tons of other players are going to play for other countries because they don't think they're going to make this France side. So I understand that he's 22, turning 23 in December. I understand that he's young, but he has been a guaranteed. Deschamps has trusted him to start for three years. Um, you you need to like you need to sort of deal with those expectations as it comes. And again. You know, as I mentioned, with that service from Paul Pogba, like I, I, I you know, he, 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 like I said, he if he times that run better. So, so Paul Pogba, who only finished with one assist, which was for Karim Benzema's open play goal against Portugal, he created four chances in this match against Switzerland. 
You took on, like I said, players six times and he was successful five times. For France over this tournament, he's had the most touches, most passes, most recoveries, most duels won, most passes into the final third, most through balls, most open play chances created. Like, are you not entertained? Like, what more do you want from him? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think he can do any more, eh? Like, yeah. he, he's, I think I'm mean, in the Portugal match, he had a crazy stat. Like, he played 10 long balls and connected on nine of them. Like, I, I just, I, I, I'm sorry. Mbappé, like, again, times his run better for the disallowed goal against Germany, and he finishes the easy chance in that 16th minute against Portugal, which he, there's no universe when he's one-on-one with Rui Patricio that he doesn't finish. If PSG is playing Wolverhampton and he doesn't finish when he's clean through in on Rui Patricio, that's that's blasphemy, right? Like there's no acceptable. That's unacceptable. So again, so then if you if that if he actually finishes as he's supposed to or times his run as he's supposed to, Pogba's got three assists, and those are just the glaring ones that you can really remember because there are other opportunities he probably should have done better. I think just on the pure volume of it, there should have like you know a quarter or a fifth of them should have ended up being goals, and they didn't. Um, you know, I, small note for Benzema, he finishes with four goals in four matches. And again, if Mbappé times that run better, it's five goals in four matches. But I think the attack definitely had issues kind of reintegrating him. Uh, and we, it just comes back to Pogba's service. I mean, in French, we say like a great pass is a caviar. And, you know, Pogba should be counted on to, to offer up one or two caviars per match. But this dude opened up like a 24-7 all-you-can-eat caviar buffet for the entire tournament. And this star-studded attack only scores six goals in four matches. Seven if you count his solo long-range effort for the third goal against Switzerland. Um, so just not good enough. And yeah, I, I think that's a perfect way to put it because just not good enough. And you know how, how well they should be able to play. So that's that's definitely definitely frustrating. Jay, Jay, let's let's just in the same context. Where do you think France goes from here? The turnaround for the World Cup is pretty quick. Um, some of these players are still going to be in decent form. Um, I don't like. I mean, talk-
keep Shakiri if you're not going to use him. Simple as that. We're talking about Liverpool here. Jurgen Klopp, yeah. listen to me. Yeah. yeah. I'm not preaching here. Listen. <laughs> and make sure Kosway gets his 10% cut, the agency. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. He, needs, he needs the money to just pump it back into Kip and extend it. I was about contract. to say, do not transfer this to my personal accounts. I have a business account set up. <laughs> with, tang- with tangerine <laughs> with the tangerine bank a very 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 good rate uh in your savings account for the first five months i believe <laughs> <laughs> tangerine finance. Um, but but yeah no um it was a great finish by shakiri a huge mix-up though they, they can't afford that. that's two games in a row that there's you know they've given away a goal spain so that's that's a little. Uh, that's a little concerning. There, um, it's lack of communication. I don't know, but it's for real. It's it's amateur shit. Yeah. I also don't. You. I mean, you. You probably should talk about this more because you have Liverpool guys. But Thiago Alcantara on the bench. Like, yeah, right. it's not, <laughs> let me. Let me. Like, oh, let me. Like, I don't have time for this rant, but yes, bad, terrible. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. one of the yeah. best natural pass passes in the game. Yeah. yeah. Arguably the best, but yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't, Luis Enrique. I don't. I don't get it. And 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 yes, as as a Liverpool supporter, um, we can be biased. You know, whoever, whichever club you support, you can be biased towards your own players. Uh, but Thiago Alcantara can take control of a game, just like we we spoke about uh, Jay in part one of this pod. How I love a midfielder that can take control of the game. You know how Ginny did not. How uh, Renato Sanchez did not. Um, Thiago, especially against 10 men, will take this ball and do miracles with it. There's this play when he got subbed on. First, first of all, you fucking give him 12 minutes or some shit. Like, don't offend me, man. You know, and, like oh. and you don't even make have him take a penalty. Yeah, like it's just motherfucker. Anyway, so he he gets in the box, he chests it down, and in one movement, I don't know if you saw it, he like passes it, but it's like a, a turn kind of kind of slide pass to to the to the the, the guy on the, on his right and it's just like who else can fucking do that you know what i mean like it's it's ridiculous his vision anticipation of the ball like if he let, let's just say as someone that watches football you you you're watching the tv you see the next pass because you're up here you see everything and i will rate a player all day if he does a pass that i see that's the one and he does it it's just like you're ground level, pitch level, and you see that. You're fucking quality. You know what I mean? And and every single time Tiago has a ball, like, that's where you got to put it. He puts it there. And I'm just like, you're – anyway. Um, that being said, you have people like Pedri playing well. Um, you know, Sergio Busquets is Sergio Busquets. He, he's going he's gonna to play in that. It's a very different role. It's True. a very True. different role. What Busquets yeah. does and what Alcantara does, and I'm sure that there's a lot of mutual admiration goes both ways, just yeah. like with Javi and Busquets there was. But again, it is a very, very different role. I think yeah. when you had that midfield three of Iniesta, Javi, and Busquets, I think Thiago most likely resembles Iniesta more than anything, probably even more than Javi. Just because well, I'm saying the forward intent. Yeah. Is, was basically, Javi. I'm glad you bring that up because basically he left because he couldn't break that. Right, because he was he was there during that time, so he left because he couldn't break that that trio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, how Thiago doesn't doesn't play is is beyond me. Um, just stints of appearances, whatever. You know what? At the end of the day, from a from a selfish Liverpool point of view, if you don't want him playing, that's fine. We'll keep him fresh for us. 
Because yeah. <laughs> maybe in response to your question, like who else can do that? The only guy off the top of my head I can think of is like Paul Pogba. Other than that, like yeah. I've, got no, I've got no name for you. Who would do something that kind of like daring and, and flashy, yeah. like yeah, yeah, and and do it consistently, successfully. Exactly. Yeah. I definitely agree. Tom, you got anything to add there? I went a bit of an nope. rant. Uh, uh, I got nothing to more about this game. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean that that's kind of that's kind of it, uh, guys. We uh, quarterfinals. What else is there? Quarterfinals for tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. tomorrow. So uh, Denmark, Czech Republic, and England, Ukraine. Oh, the English. You know, the English are already counting their. They're, what's the saying? Counting your chickens? They're already oh, counting yeah. their oh, yeah. chickens before Rio Ferdinand's yeah. already uh, got the t- the trophy. He's already planning the route for the parade route. Um, I think that England will probably win this game. Yeah. Ukraine are a shit-festy, divey, dirty yeah. team. They're going to make it difficult, but I think England's probably going to win. I think I, I said 1-0. I think it, it, I think Raheem Sterling's probably going to be able to do, do a moment of magic, uh, magic just to, to get, get it over the line. Tom, uh, in our uh, in part one, we actually um, went a bit of a we had a discussion about how Raheem Sterling is the man. You know what I mean? Is it, despite what um, you know the media saying Harry Kane this, Harry Kane that, Raheem Sterling is it, you know it's despite despite Grealish's uh, performances too, Sterling is still carrying England right yeah. now. Because and, and Sterling, Sterling can perform on the big stage. Yeah, yes, Harry Kane got a goal against Germany, but he was anonymous for 80 minutes before that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we talked about this, and I'm sorry, the listeners will have heard the first part too, but that first touch at the end of the first half where he had that heavy touch and it went away from him, unacceptable. Unacceptable for a hundred million pound rated center forward. Unacceptable that you do not finish that opportunity. And like I said, Raheem Sterling has secured in the group stage six points for them. And now he has secured passage through. Um, yeah, in, yeah in, I think he'll. I think he'll be the man, the uh, the creative outlet for them in the quarterfinal. Yeah. Um, and Denmark, Czech Republic. Uh, just because we're running low on time here, but I'll just say I think Denmark's going to take this. I think that they got that little X factor, that like motivation to do it for uh, Ericsson. And I think that like on paper these teams are evenly matched. But I think that Denmark, just the way they've been playing the last couple of games, I think that they'll have that just that little extra enough just to get it over the line. So. Um, that's fine. I, I definitely agree, Tom. I, I definitely agree. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. And uh, once this is done, we'll we'll see how the dust settles, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about this again, guys, because this has right. been fun. Um, Jay, you had your moment, man. I, I'm glad you were able to kind of get that all out in terms of friends. Now, at least you know what you know what, Jay. Now, at least you can watch with just neutral eyes and just have you know enjoy enjoy whatever the rest of the turn is gonna be. You know, it's weird because, yeah, I thought that in a couple of days after, obviously, I was massively disappointed. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I, like I said, I wasn't super confident in my prediction because I had seen some of the, the flaws coming out um, in previous matches and the injuries were a concern. But, uh, yeah, I still expected it to win. So I was pretty disappointed for a couple of games and I didn't pay attention. But, again, just like today, days like today um, and then tomorrow, I'm looking forward to the matches as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, you get over the disappointment and I'm still kind of enjoying watching this entire tournament. And, uh, yeah, I'll hopefully catch the, the Copa America match tonight. And, and uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's been really good and I'm still enjoying it. And, uh, I'm glad it's been exciting. I mean, I don't think anything's going to top the excitement of the one day that had the Croatia, um, Spain oh, and yeah. France Switzerland match, but uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's really been, it's really been a good tournament. I think it's been a fun tournament anyway. Uh, definitely better than 2016 was 
just awful. Storyline, it was a terrible tournament. Yeah. yeah. And also, just before we we go, uh, I believe July 10th, the Gold Cup starts. Yes. Gold Cup starts. So that's, you know, as North Americans, uh, people who live in North America, we should tune into that as well because that's going to be fun too. Yeah, sure, the quality isn't isn't the best. But you know what? Football, uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching international football. So I'll, I'll definitely tune into that. Yeah, we got to support Canada too. I mean, I think we just secured the uh, one guy switch allegiances from the U.S. to, to Canada. Uh, I think the TFC, I've already forgotten what his name is. Yeah, fair, fair enough. And uh, Liam Miller's on him on the move, eh? Uh, he, he's gone, I believe, from Liverpool. Uh, is he? Oh, I didn't uh, yeah, know. Okay, official, he's, he's gone. Damn it, I forget which which club, obviously. Um, but he's gone, so we no longer have a Canadian playing for Liverpool, which kind of sucks. But, hey, it's great for Canada. Uh, it's another player that's going to get game time and hopefully break into the Canadian ranks as well. Hmm. Yep. Fun stuff, guys. Guys, let's wrap it up. Guys, always, this has been a pleasure. Uh, we will touch base uh, after the quarters, man, and then see where, where this goes. Jesus um at this point i don't know i don't know who's gonna win it because i don't know who's gonna show up you know what i mean i think that's what it comes down to now i don't know who's going to play how i guess i guess we can say italy only had one hiccup which was last round in in my opinion it is pretty soft hiccup yeah yeah i don't even know i don't even know if i'd qualify that as an outright hiccup but i i I think my opinion is whoever wins the italy spain match is going to win the tournament yeah i agree with that i can i can agree with that statement awesome all right guys for my listeners who made it this far, thank you, thank you so much. I um, hope you're, I hope you're enjoying our coverage of Euro 2020. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, take care, guys. All right. Hashtag free Tom. <laughs>